Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, the economy is tanking. No surprise to anyone, I'm sure, yet the market goes down like as if this was news to anybody. So far, there's a recorded 4.8% drop in GDP. 30 million unemployment claims have already been filed since the start of this thing, mid-March. And the uh, latest unemployment rolls for this week, which comes out on Thursday, almost 4 million additional unemployed. But this, on top of what we talked about yesterday, which is that more than half of those people are making more on unemployment and with the government handout than they were before. So nobody's going to gripe about it. People probably want this thing to keep going. It sets up a crazy precedent, and it is really teeing up to totally restructure the economy in ways I think that even we have not foreseen. They've never been living so large with this unemployment coming in. And there's Why would they want to give that up? I have to say, I always noticed about not having, not working. It's not so much that you need money to live, it's that you don't have money to do anything. So like sitting around doing nothing and making a lot more money feels very cushy. I think you would eventually get sick of it because you kind of have to like have a little extra money. But these people have extra money, more money than they normally have. It's going to decimate the restaurant business. And absolutely. And it helps that there's no missing out syndrome going on. That's something that is oh, very FOMO? powerful. Yeah. Fear <laughs> right. of missing out because everybody's at home. So nobody's missing out. It's never been a better time for recluses and shut-ins that hate working because everybody isn't else that is also that pretty much everyone? <laughs> yeah. Well, not everyone. I'd say, I'd say that the, the people who are true shut-ins and have some sort of social anxiety or just yes. don't like that they right now are probably feeling better off than they previously did. I was talking did. to it. I I had been monitoring that child psychology is going to be the job of the future. Yeah. And I was talking to a child psychologist who said, I think she specializes maybe in adolescence or family therapy, something like that. And she said that most of her clients are much, much happier. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. People uh, are cutting yeah. back on their like ADHD meds. Their anti-anxiety meds because they don't have to be in a room with people, so they don't feel the anxiety and they don't fidget and everything. They just they don't have those social conformity issues. Yeah, but here's the thing: like if un- unless this is permanent, which it may well be, in a lot of ways, they are the reason you go through that stuff. The reason adolescence is so painful, I think, is that you are being socialized. I mean, we can talk about whether peer socialization has value or is artificial. I don't know. But there is, unless the future is going to be different, these are important times for folks. And and I also noticed that Bill Gates, somebody sent me a clip of him. Just He just like giggles at inappropriate times. He's like a freaking psycho. He was on Fareed Zakaria and they were talking about, he was talking, Zakaria was talking about like how the economy is tanking. And I mean, I never, it was like a Joker-esque smile. Like Bill Gates' smile was so gigantic and he was just laughing, like just waiting to talk about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. And uh, and then at the end, he said, his car is like, what, how could Microsoft stock be like where it was in December? This is crazy. He said, oh, well, tech companies really benefit when tech adoption is accelerated. And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I don't think this is all about the money for him. I think he got the money so he could do this thing. He's that level of created person. 
But he, but for him to point out that, of course, this kind of acceleration of change is good for them. And it reminded me of when the Carnegie Endowment did that study like in the like 100 years ago that said, we really want to change American culture from being individualistic to collectivist. And how would we do that? What's the best catalyst for that kind of change? And the answer was war. And they proceeded to do everything they could to get us into World War One, and this is definitely a substitute for war, kind of report from Iron Mountain style, where it's going to accomplish a lot of different goals. But I think a this technological revolution and the societal impact of that is one of the things that this is going to have like a war-like leveling up, just like World War One, World War Two changed our societies. Of course, that's why they keep saying that we are at war with <laughs> yes, yes. enemy. That was on the letter that was written <laughs> to the people who received the stimulus checks and that that's Trump what signed. They're... We are at war with an invisible enemy. They are reminding people of that on a constant basis, even on those letters that came with the checks, the stimulus checks. Oh, interesting. And they are saying that these that their justification for like the defense production act and everything defense as if it's a war action but be, speaking of gates i wanted to mention people keep asking before we move on let's remind people that we have a patron party tomorrow disappearing patron yeah, party we haven't Friday. been promoting it as much this week so i want to make yes, sure everybody no i know i have it on my list yes uh if people want to be a part of that it's super fun it's one hour two cocktails no record. So we're, we don't post it. You're not going to see it later. It gets a little crazy. Right. Anyway, we should say we do let our hair down and it's uh, open to all patrons. So if you want to join it, if you haven't been there before, become a patron at patreon.com forward slash propaganda report and join us. It's super fun. I, I look forward to it all week long. It's Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. One and, hour, two yeah. cocktails, no record. Unlike ABC News anchor Christopher Reeves' son, we will be wearing pants. I'm not guaranteeing that. Maybe they'll never know. <laughs> the camera will be positioned where you will never know whether or not they're wearing pants. Maybe that's a better you way will, to put it. You will never know. So, uh, yeah, but speaking of Bill and Melinda Gates, we talked about this yesterday. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation had a, I think we said that it was like the predecessor of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It looks to me that although it was established a year before the foundation, it became a part of it. Maybe it spurred it on. But uh, what we talked about was that the, it was called the Bill and Melinda Gates Institute for Population Control. And it was a joint venture with Johns Hopkins, which is where it kind of still lives. They changed it, not for a while. It was at least that called that for at least nine or 10 years because there was an award given to the founding woman of it in 2008 under still under that title. Although if you go to Johns Hopkins, it is now called the Bill and Melinda Gates Institute for Population and Reproductive Health, I think is what it's called now. And they don't talk about any kind of name change. But what I thought was funny about the whole thing is that like it's called like the original name is the Bill and Melinda Gates Institute for Population Control. And these are the people who are in charge of what's supposed to be a life-saving vaccine, but does have like the potential to be catastrophically devastating to the human race because they're bypassing liabilities, regulations, normal time, normal scientific. They're talking about getting that Gilead vaccine out, um, expediting it, which is exactly how like kind of AZT killed so many people. 
And it, well, I was reminded of the Twilight Zone episode. Remember the Twilight Zone episode where aliens come down? Speaking of aliens, I, I watched They Live. So aliens come down. I'll tell you about that in a second. Aliens come down and they can't have a hard time communicating. We obviously don't speak the same language, but they have a book. And all the greatest minds of the world are trying to decipher what the book says. Yeah. And that title of the book they get, so they, they are cautious about these guys, but when they, they finally decipher the front page, it's called, uh, To Serve Man. And they, they're like, oh, okay, so this is great. They just, they're altruistic. They want to help us. They want to serve us. And they put a, uh, an expedition together to go with them. So a bunch of people get on the ship mm -hmm. and the ship door closes and they had made further breakthroughs on deciphering the book. And the woman whose husband or person she loves is on the spaceship comes running up and says, no, no, don't go. It's a cookbook. Yeah, so to serve man, they had so they basically harvested these human beings that they were going to serve up, and I just feel like like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation being in charge of the the shot everyone gets to supposedly save humanity. But if you actually pull back the curtain, it started out as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for population control. Yeah, and you discover that Bill Gates is an alien that wants to eat you for dinner. What you're talking about is called Operation Warp Speed, the expediting of all of this, the vaccine production, which I, we can talk oh, about. Oh, is bit that more what that's called? Yeah. I had not heard of it. It's called Operation Warp Speed. I think we should talk about Remdesivir briefly yep. because that is the main story that I've been seeing around today on CNN anyway, because Dr. Fauci is excited. He's out promoting a new drug or a new discovery, a study that was done the way that Trump was kind of promoting hydrochloroquine. So there's a counter narrative going on there. But Fauci says that remdesivir, this antiviral drug, shows promise. And a report that was just put out based on a recent study said that it will reduce the hospital stay from 15 days down to 11 days. So the feel and the report is saying that this isn't going to help a ton, but it's progress. It's hope. So you can maintain your servitude and stay sheltered in place because here's a glimmer of hope that we'll show you. And it's worth noting that this study was done by Fauci's Institute. And it's also a Gilead drug. So it's an institute of vaccine science. I don't know. It's one of Fauci's, what, uh, it was sponsored by an institute that he controls. And he, <laughs> he tried to push this through for Ebola also, but it didn't work out for Ebola. So they're pushing it through now. And all the news agencies are running with this story. It's such promising, exciting news is what we're hearing. Yet when you research this drug, you find a headline from seven days ago that says, where's that? The headline from seven days ago is about promising drug, drug thought promising remdesivir shown to show no benefits to patients in, in trial. Wow. So there was two trials done. There was one done here by our government and there was one done in China. Yes, it was. That was the fast tracked one. I remember we talked about it way back when. The one in China failed. It showed no benefits to anyone. And the one here didn't really show any statistically relevant benefits. The 15 to 11 days is what they're hanging their hat on. But the reality is that it showed no signs of improving people's outcomes. So it did not increase a patient's possibility of well, surviving. Well, that's the other thing. That happens a lot where it's it, they measure the wrong thing. They yeah. don't measure 
what the value, what's, what does anybody care about? What is the only thing anybody cares about here? Anybody as in the public or? Anybody. It's, it's if, if you die of it, right? The only difference between right. this and a cold is that supposedly more people will die of this if they get pneumonia with it than if they get pneumonia with a cold. That's it. There is right. no other problem, right? Yeah, there's I mean, not people going, man, if I get coronavirus, if only my stay in the hospital can go from 15 to 11 days, <laughs> right, maybe exactly. possibly if I take, right. they can't even fully attribute it I mean, to this I drug. Can... It's not peer reviewed. The study's not at all peer reviewed. It was expedited through and the media is running with this, despite the fact that they all universally bash hydrochloroquine. And then they even conducted a study that was designed to make hydrochloroquine look bad. And now they're running with this study. No peer review. It's been expedited through. It's already failed with Ebola. And it doesn't really show any statistically significant signs of actually helping anybody. But what it will do is it will make a lot of money for the people who produce it, probably for Fauci also, who's been pushing it for a while. And people will take it and they will have no way of monitoring and identifying it if it actually helped because the study doesn't show any statistical significance. So they can't say it helped because they don't really know. So they're going to pump this drug out, have no measurable results, and they'll make a shit ton of money and they'll still be able to say people are dying left and right. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that is not without precedent. For sure. Yeah, and it, it, it really the, the factor of giving people hope, which enables them to maintain shutdown without rising up, that is a role that this plays. And I feel like just paying people off is playing that role. Just that is fine. also playing that role. <laughs> but when people have I no hope, that old people are not, you know, I expect, oh, I, I'm so disappointed in old people, except for my mom. I really, I expect them to. If a, after a lifetime of experience, it's like when I grew up in New York and they kept telling us a hurricane was coming. Like hurricanes never hit where I lived. We were 17 miles inland. There was absolutely no way the roof was blowing off of our houses and people would freak out and it would be such a disappointment because as a little kid, you want the roof to blow off your house. You know, you're an idiot. And it never, ever happened. And when I was at in Houston and they had Hurricane Rita, I was like, we're 30 miles inland. This is not going to happen. Now, that was before they actually seeded the clouds, I think. But um, so it was pretty predictable that it wasn't really going to happen. And uh, I expect the old people to kind of say, you know, this is kind of nonsense and this doesn't happen. It would have happened in my lifetime already if it was going to happen. And uh, and they're not. They're just they're the most scared of everyone, it seems like. And of course, because they're the ones who are being scared. They're the ones who are dying. They're the ones who are being targeted and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like it's it, you know, what's weird to me is that at that point in your life, I mean, I feel like you have to have a higher level of contentment with the nature of human existence, which is that the physical body is just not going to last forever. And when it really starts deteriorating, it's well past the point of regeneration, you know, as like a, a as a <laughs> net regeneration, you kind of have to come to terms. I'm not saying you should like come to terms with dying, but I'm just surprised that they, that they're so easily freaked out about 
this. I understand why. I'm just a little disappointed that we aren't more spiritually together. Maybe you can lead that movement, that change in old people's attitude towards death. Yeah, I don't care. They're they're <laughs> they're getting uh, wiped out. I but I, I can't. Also, I'm trying to lead the change in my own generation, and yeah. nobody's really waking up. I mean, I try to tell people this is bullshit. I expect the old people to be along with me, but they're not. They just back off. Like, oh my gosh, you must be a carrier. It's about security and safety. When people feel that their safety is jeopardized, they are very vulnerable to exploitation by those in power. And and they should realize that the, those in power are the ones who make them feel unsafe on purpose. I still have some stuff to talk about with Remdesivir, but first, a quick word. Today's show is brought to you by Neighbors Feed and Seed. While other states like Michigan have deemed seed suppliers to be non-essential businesses, that's not the case here in Georgia. And with a lot of us spending more time at home than usual right now, there's no better time to get all of your gardening needs taken care of. And if you're anything like me, then you don't know how to grow a thing in your yard, but you want to learn. Neighbors Feed and Seed has a knowledgeable staff that will give you fantastic advice on how to grow anything. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of. And the best part about it is that they are locally owned by a fantastic group of people. So if you're in the Smyrna area, stop by Neighbors Feed and Seed and say hello. Or check out their website at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. And tell them the Propaganda Report sent you. Okay, so Fauci has been promoting this hardcore. And again, propaganda, you got to balance fear with hope. And giving people that hope enables you to maintain your dominance over them without them rising up. So this is serving that role in a, in a way. But Fauci said, this is important proof of concept. Mind you, again, has it been peer-reviewed or anything? It proves that the drug can block the virus. And then he goes on to talk about how it reminded him of when a drug was developed 30 years ago for a different oh disease, God. AIDS. Are you me? And that drug was called AZT. But it wasn't developed for AIDS. It was a class X toxin that was taken off the shelf and used for AIDS. Well, Fauci, Because he encouraged that. Oh, yeah. he's got blood on his hands. So he's comparing this to AZT, That's which sick. you've talked a lot about, how the dangerous effects that it had, the negative And that he it was had. the one who promoted it against clinical recommendations. The yes. clinical trials indicated something that was not what he was promoting. He was promoting wider spread use of AZT. And it was one of those things like ventilators. It's only to be used when you're pretty sure you're going to die anyway, like a right to try thing more than anything else. And we are going to see history repeat itself is my prediction. I believe it. That is why I Lots see of foreshadowing, going. some dialectic thrown in. Absolutely. He's going to line his pockets at the same time. Yeah, probably. But now we have the narrative of hydrochloroquine versus remdesivir, yeah. Fox News, CNN. <laughs> yeah. So a big story that was in the news today, yesterday, people are up in arms about it, is a Michigan judge ruled uh, in favor of the governor with regard to the lockdown. And some of the uh, quotes <laughs> have gotten people up in arms. One of them, the judge said, the interests of liberty are and have always been subject to society's interests. Like, there's so many things wrong with that. Liberty is not restricted by society's interests, the way he's saying, because here's the, here's the, uh, it's actually the opposite, right? Our foundation is about taking your individual rights and upsourcing them or delegating them to a collective to make those rights of individual defense stronger. And that's basically it. That's the only right you have. You really have no right whatsoever to create, to 
cause other people to do stuff or not do stuff. So, but the trick is that also he says society's interests. He also talks about the primary goal is to protect human life. And, uh, and the article itself talks about polling and what people prefer, but society's interest protecting human life. These are the, the society's interest thing. That is a subjective thing. What is society's interest? It's definitely in society's interest that we are not sub are, we are not living in terror for, of this germ, which we should be spreading around probably that we are not in lockdown. Like what is society's interest that we should take the bullet now so that we can continue to have a free society and not highly tech society and also protecting human life. Like what human life are they protecting? Like the terrible, terrible impact of this over time could actually cost more human lives. And the way governments weigh that stuff, it's not like a, a healthy 18 year old who commits suicide is considered the same value of life as a sick 88 year old who had pneumonia anyway and died three months sooner because of COVID. Like that, those are not considered socially equivalent for government policy purposes. So there's a lot, a lot of flaws in this guy's arguments. And I just thought it would be good to tell people that uh, you have to look at some fundamentals here. If it, if it is, if, even if it is true that the facts are true. So why is government limited? Why do we not give them unlimited power? Because we can't trust them. And in this case, you can't trust their facts, you can't trust their analysis, and you can't trust their motive. But all of this stuff is as old as time, as old as civilization, which is why we ultimately kind of the highest attempt at at self-limiting government was that it would be limited in the, these ways. So could... Could, is all this stuff true? Is it worthwhile? I don't think so. But even if it is true, do they have the right to tell healthy people to stay home? And they absolutely do not. There's a fundamental principle of tort law. Even if you go to recklessness, people who are reckless have to, have to know there is the likelihood of harm to somebody else because of their behavior and disregard that. And then in order to collect against that person, you have to demonstrate that real harm was actually done. This, these principles are in place for a reason, and it's so that we can have liberty and society, other individuals, let's say, are protected. So this guy's completely full of it. Uh, in Illinois, there was a contra example. A judge ruled in favor of a senator who's, this is a little tricky. The senator only had standing for himself. That's pretty common. So the judge said, the guy who brought the lawsuit, the senator, said, I don't think, I think lockdown was overreached by the governor and that it's a legislative matter. And the judge agreed with him and, but it applied only to him. So that state Senator gets to walk around freely, but it doesn't apply to anybody else who doesn't actually sue and get protection. Wow. But the governor still said that people will get coronavirus because of this guy. And that it when another legislator said it was totally reckless. And I would say, if someone gets coronavirus and they are genuinely harmed by it, then that guy and that guy was reckless that there should be a remedy. They should, there should be, it should be actionable against that individual, not against the judge. But see that if you lose sight of the fact that we have emerged pragmatically and in principle, that pragmatism and principle are the same. It's the same. That's why we have fundamental principles of law. They are they emerged over ten thousand years in the context of human nature, physical and uh, kind of emotional, mental. So these are the laws that work in society 
and as far as individuals go. And the main reason is that individual behavior is controlled by the individual. So it is only a modern, very modern phenomenon that technology, surveillance, total control can actually control every single solitary person. So in in the day, like five years ago and up to 10,000 years ago, you and with moral law too, you have to you have to connect the responsibility with the actor who has control of the decisions. And in order to do that, that's how come our fundamental laws have emerged this way, in my opinion. And that now that we have this technology thing where they can actually enforce it and they can get people through propaganda to rat on each other, that's when you have this whole, like, they want to fundamentally change the legal architecture of this country, to quote Michael Chernoff. I mean, that's scary. It is scary and kind of an example of ratting on each other becoming the new standard. And anybody who's opening up their business, I know in Georgia there are some people who are opening up or who are essential businesses that are open and who aren't requiring people to wear face masks maybe, which is perfectly fine with me, but not necessarily so with everyone else. Pay attention to this story because similar things could be coming to your business. A woman, a reporter in Colorado, went undercover with a hidden camera to the Walmarts and Home Depots around Colorado, where she lives, for the purpose of catching employees at these stores not wearing masks and getting them to say things that make them look like they don't care about the spread of the virus. Like, oh, you're not wearing a mask. Why aren't you wearing a mask? Why aren't you following the orders by the governor? Well, I just don't think that it's an order to wear at work. Like, a lot of people were unsure. But this woman goes to like every one of these stores in the county and creates a rundown of how many people were and were not wearing face masks. So uh, the Home Depot in this county, three employees were spotted congregating less than six feet away from each other, not wearing face masks, saying that they don't like wearing face masks. They don't want to wear face Did masks. Did she when go asked. to Costco yes. per chance? She went oh, to Costco. Costco. No, no, she went to Walmart. Not Costco. Costco is implementing mass rules. Costco does this. They, they take Walmart on head to head and that they like try to criticize them for paying lower wages. But Costco is a union shop. So they want to make laws for minimum wage so that really cheap places like Walmart are forced to overpay lower skilled employees. So I wouldn't put it past Costco from having to give this chick the idea because Costco is implementing a mask requirement regardless of what the governor or the president or whatever, whatever the laws are, Costco is actually being stricter. And I wouldn't be surprised if they put that bug in her ear. Them or really any activist group she's with. This is basically bird dogging, but a journalist bird dogging. It's a James O'Keefe. The left gets I, mad. I first name I thought it was James O'Keefe. They get mad when James O'Keefe has a, a hidden camera. Yeah. But when this woman has a hidden yes. camera and she is literally out snitching on people who aren't wearing masks. One employee at Home Depot, when asked about it, said, I have asthma. It's kind of a liability. It's yeah. hard for this person to breathe. Yeah, you could die. Right. And he says there's and not going to be a law. you're not six months away, you know, six feet away from people, I thought it was. Six feet away from people. Yeah, like if I were six feet away from someone, I would think you could take the mask off. That is not satisfactory for this woman. (laughs) 
And she. I mean, if you're in a about, warehouse by yourself, I'm thinking not necessarily. Well, she's not going there. She's she's line. going to she's going Got specifically it, yeah, yeah. to set people up. And this is the point I'm getting to is yes, if you own a business, you need to be careful because you are going to be a target, especially yes. in Georgia. You're going to be a target Absolutely. of activists, of journalists, of anyone who wants to try and get national attention to whatever they're doing. The Indivisible does this stuff all the time. They call reporters and they say, hey, we're going to be doing a public relations stunt over at this place, over at ICE, and we're going to be standing here. Here's what to say. Here's where to put your cameras. Here's how we're going to set this person up to look like a terrible human being. And they are going to do the same thing to businesses that open up in ways that they perceive to be too early because they need examples to make of each other. They need someone to demonize. And anybody who wants to get the national spotlight, who wants to do a national virtue signal for themselves, which is what this reporter is doing, local reporter just hoping to be featured on CNN and interviewed, I can't believe it. They weren't wearing masks. I feared for my life. I was going to die. Can you believe it? This is what they want. So be careful. Watch out. And, Dude. you know, Turn on your security cams because you want to be yes. able to show the full context of however yeah, they take point. you out of context. Good point. I, I think I honestly am thinking that they want us to be sicker, that whatever, whoever yeah. is making these pronouncements from the top for several reasons. One is I had mentioned that like they're saying bad air quality in some places that there's no reason to because there's no smog or anything. And Nacho Slave uh, DM'd or tweeted that his mom called worried because he lives in California saying, oh, I heard about the terrible air quality. And he's like, it is absolutely gorgeous here. The weather is good. There's no smog whatsoever. Like, it's not too hot. What are you talking about? There's even a little bit of overcast so that it's not UV radiation. I honestly think they do not want you getting sun. And I said to my husband, yeah, right? I said to my husband what I said to you, and they're saying that about vitamin C, trying to demonize that, the UV rays, trying to demonize that. And I said to my husband, when I said to you, I was like, at this point, I'm like just kissing the dog. I'm just like in the dog's face. Like, give me some love, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I just have to have some germs. germs. He said, oh, somewhere. they said, don't do that. I said, who said don't do that? He said, don't kiss the your CDC. dog. And I Right. I was like, do you mean like always in your life or like recently? He said, no, they just came out and said that. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so right. I'm kissing my dog. I'm not recommending to people who are out there trolling me to kiss your dog. I'm kissing my dog in my house. I'm following the rules. I'm kissing my dog. And I went to the grocery store. You're going to have a journalist show up to your house, record you kissing your dog dog. with a hidden camera. Like you you get a ticket for not for your dog biting someone, but for your dog licking Licking someone. Yeah. So I went to the grocery store and they made me use hand sanitizer on the way in. And I said, do I have to? And she said, yes. And I said, you know, we're all going to get insanely sick if you keep killing all the germs. (laughs) And she was just like, I just get paid to work here. (laughs) I don't even think she spoke English, to be honest. One more thing about this story where she's trying to out all these people not wearing masks she went to the higher ups she went to the bosses of these these are middle class hardworking people she filmed them on hidden camera then went to their bosses called corporate told on them said they're not wearing masks how dare you even if home depot's policy was not to have did not require it or even if they would not have otherwise fired these people because 
people like this are coming to them saying, are you terrible? You want people to die? You want children and old people to die, don't you? Because your employees aren't wearing masks. They're going to put them in a position where they're going to be forced to fire some of these hardworking people. That and they're going to love it. Reporter, yeah. Those and they're gonna people are going to be lucky. They're going to get celebrated. They're going to get the money. These are liberals who are outing hardworking yes. middle class people. Yes. And it's going to be celebrated by the national media for putting these people out of work because they yeah. weren't wearing masks. It's unbelievable. That's sick. Pisses That's me tolerance off. for you. Yeah, yeah, some tolerance. I mean, un- unbelievable the things that people are celebrating these days, right? Yeah, imprison me, fire all the good, hardworking people. And that patron 15, I'll tell you about a perfect example of liberal hypocrisy. And it folds in Biden and maybe Stacey Abrams. So you'll hear that. And um, tomorrow's loyalty day. Really? Formerly I'll tell you more May about day. that too. Did I spill the beans there? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't forget the disappearing patron party. This is your chance. That's tomorrow. So if you want to be a patron, if you want to hang out, try it. I think you can just be a patron for a month if you want. Yeah, yeah. Give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. We had a blast last time. We really oh did. Oh my gosh, too much. I'm yeah. definitely eating before <laughs> next time. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. And if you want access to the disappearing patron party and the extra 15 minutes of, of content that we publish every time we publish a DMB, go to patreon.com slash report and join. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you.